Please take your Bible and meet me in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. As we continue in the, in the book of Acts this morning, we, we come to the closing paragraph of chapter 15, which, which may seem relatively insignificant at first, given how it's sandwiched between, um, between the watershed moment of the Jerusalem council, the decision that came out of that council that takes up nearly all of the chapter, and then Paul's uh, second missionary journey that begins in chapter 16. So, so it may seem at first like these, this small paragraph is, um, is relatively insignificant. We can just gloss over it, given that it's sandwiched between these two monumental events. But I believe this particular paragraph though only a half dozen verses in length, is pivotal. Something happens here, uh, something unforeseen, something disheartening that affects the rest of the book, not to mention uh, the lives of those involved. Something, Something so common to our Christian experience today that we might be tempted to just gloss over it. Our passage last week dealt with conflict in the church over the issue of doctrine with disagreement on a church-wide scale that affected entire groups of people from different cultural backgrounds Our passage this week, however, deals not with church-wide disagreement, but with conflict between specific church members. And not just any members, but leading members, close friends, seasoned partners in ministry. Frankly, the end, the end result of this episode is quite remarkable. Because it is no exaggeration to say that this could have easily ended in a church split. But what could have easily divided the church actually extended its reach out into the surrounding regions even more. It extended the reach even more. And so as I thought about this week, here's the the main truth, I believe, coming from this paragraph that's going to kind of guide our thoughts this morning. Here it is. Though our actions sometimes threaten to derail God's purposes, His grace is entirely sufficient to see us through. Get that? Though our actions sometimes threaten to derail God's purposes, His grace is entirely sufficient 
to see us through. Let's read this together. Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41. And after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, Hey, let's return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Father, we want to thank you for our time and your word this morning. And even just the, um, uh, to hear ourselves say that this is your word reminds us that you are a communicating God. You are a speaking God. You wish to uh, to interact with us, and you do. We're so very thankful for this, that you've not left us on our own to try to figure life out by ourselves. You've given us life, and you've given us um, help and truth uh, to lead us in this Christian life to which you've called us. So speak to us this morning, or, or we know that you're speaking. Maybe more uh, appropriate would be to say to help us hear your voice this morning. Help us to discern what you want to say and what you are saying to us so that we would not miss a single thing. And then, God, I pray that as we walk through this passage, would you put upon our minds the the many relationships we share this morning, both in the church and with those outside the church. And may your word here be informative and instructive and instrumental as we navigate these many relationships to your glory. And this we ask because we are Christ's. And we want to honor Christ. And so may he be praised today. Amen. Uh, The previous passage ends with Paul and Barnabas in the city of Antioch, strengthening the members of the church, uh, of that church, through their gifts of, of teaching and preaching. And then after some time, according to verse 36, uh, Paul had an idea. He had an idea for additional ministry. It was was an idea for more, another ministry opportunity, uh, a second cross-cultural missions trip. And so he approached Barnabas and wanted to again partner with Barnabas, this time to retrace the steps of their first trip and visit the churches they planted to see how the, the people, the Christian brothers and sisters, were doing in those cities. What follows is an unexpected impasse 
uh, between Paul and Barnabas that leads to a sharp disagreement which resulted in a disheartening separation. And I want to consider these three stages together with you this morning. Notice that Barnabas is all for Paul's idea. He's all for it. He's all in when it comes to revisiting those cities and churches. The issue for Barnabas was not about the trip itself. It wasn't about where they'd be going or or what they'd be doing. For him, it was about who they'd be bringing with them. He wanted to bring his cousin who who started with them on their first trip, uh, a young man named John who also went by Mark. But Paul, Paul didn't. Evidently, Paul was still bothered that John Mark had deserted them on their first journey, and therefore John, uh, in, in Paul's estimation, John didn't share the same level of commitment Uh, nor did he have the same uh, sense of camaraderie with him and Barnabas, nor did he have the connection with those cities and churches that they did. Now, you recall that John was part of that first uh, missions trip, that first missions team that was sent by the church in Antioch, and how he traveled with Paul and Barnabas down to the port city of Seleucia, and, and then they sailed, all three of them, they sailed uh, to the island of Cyprus, and we're told, we were told back in chapter 13 that, that John assisted them during their ministry as they crossed that island from one end to the other, sharing the message of Jesus. And, and John was even with them when they left Cyprus uh, and landed on the shores of Pamphylia for the next leg of their journey. So John had been with them for some time, but something happened between Cyprus and Pamphylia that affected John. We don't know what it was. But something in John's heart changed during that time, something that caused him to leave Paul and Barnabas and return home. There's been much speculation. Maybe he didn't mesh well with Paul. Just the personalities didn't mesh. And now that Paul had apparently assumed the lead role in the team, maybe John wasn't comfortable with that or with Paul's leadership style. Or maybe the demands of the trip were were just too much. Maybe, Maybe John simply bit off more than he could chew. Maybe he just wasn't ready. And maybe the the prospect of of what may come next was, was just too daunting for him. At any rate, John's departure was abrupt. and, and, And that bothered Paul. And now it's become a source of tension. Between, between him and Barnabas. Have you ever found yourself at odds? <laughs> Have you ever found yourself at odds with someone over someone else? The two of you are looking at the exact same person, the exact same situation, but you're seeing it from two entirely different perspectives. 
Uh, I mean, I think spouses and, and parents deal with this all the time. Both the husband and the wife, or both the mom and the dad, are looking at the same household, the same family issue, but they're seeing it from two entirely different points of view and therefore they have differing opinions about what should or shouldn't be done that's basically what's happening here Paul and Barnabas were at an impasse over what to do with John and neither one was willing to budge sadly though what began as a difference of opinion quickly escalated into something much more and much more personal. Verse 39 mentions a sharp disagreement, and the word there for disagreement refers to provocation. Uh, these two men, by the way, both of them godly men, both of them uh, faithful men, both of them close friends, uh, they were so convinced of their respective positions, so puzzled as to why the other didn't see it their way, they began provoking each other. You know another way to say that? It's what we might call they began pushing each other's buttons. I don't know. Who knows if they did this on purpose? Regardless, they each said things that upset the other, and they didn't take it back. They stood by what they said. And the situation was getting worse, not better. Over the years, some of the sharpest disagreements between me and my wife, and I informed her of this ahead of time. And by the way, I know it surprises you that we have disagreement and even sharp disagreements at times. But some of our sharpest disagreements over the years, like yours, I think it demonstrate, they demonstrate just how quickly things can spiral out of control. What begins as a difference, I mean, just think, if you've been there, I'm, I know you've been there, just what begins as a difference of opinion over particular issues suddenly grows into something much more and you're not even sure how you got there. Especially when we're, when we're not careful with what we say or with how we say it. And though we care for the other person immensely, aren't we sometimes guilty of, of pushing buttons in order to push our own agenda? You know, it's the, this whole idea of it's okay that you have a different opinion than me as long as you don't mind being wrong. 
So, so we, we, I don't think, I just think we don't have to deny that this happens. It happens. Because it happened even between Paul and Barnabas, these two incredibly faithful and God-honoring men. They'd been through so much together. Now remember, Barnabas was the one who vouched for Paul when others in the church doubted the sincerity or the legitimacy of his conversion. Everyone else was saying, no, 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 not Paul. And Barnabas said, yes, Paul has seen the Lord. He's come to faith in Jesus. I'm with Paul. And then when Paul was sent off to Tarsus and lived in relative obscurity for the better part of a decade, it was Barnabas, remember, who went to find him and enlist his help and bring him back to the church in Antioch. He believed in Paul. And together they helped establish that congregation and they led what was basically a new members class, a new believers class for those who were coming to faith in Jesus. And then the congregation in Antioch sent them to the church in Jerusalem, remember, with with a financial donation, a gift that had been raised by the church to help the Jerusalem congregation get through some lean times. In Antioch, these two were, were appointed by the Holy Spirit And they were called to the mission field together. The church commissioned them together and together they served as missionaries for a year and a half. They were were part of incredible signs and wonders that God did through their ministry. They they faced opposition together. They they suffered together. They were even, remember, they were even called Greek gods together, which although they 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 just they refused that. They they hated that, but that's still kind of remarkable, right? I mean, they shared that. They shared that together. They led, they led scores of people to faith in Jesus together. And together, they helped establish these people in the faith. They planted churches together. They returned home together. And when legalistic believers started to lead people astray, wanting to jump through these religious hoops, uh, Paul and Barnabas, they jumped in together to fight against legalism. They were appointed together, both of them, they were appointed to represent the Antioch congregation before the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. They were, they were part of that watershed moment earlier in chapter 15 when the decision was made that, that non-Jewish believers weren't required, they're not required to obey Jewish law in order to be saved. And they, they were the ones who came back to Antioch and they commuted, communicated this great news together. You see, for years, Paul and Barnabas were virtually joined at the hip. They did everything together. And God did amazing, incredible things in their lives and through their ministry. But now this. Barnabas is about second chances. He's thinking about what's best for John. Paul, however, is about commitment and what's best for the mission. 
And so who's right? I want you to think about that question because I'm actually going to ask you to respond here in a little bit. Who's right? In a very real way, they both are. Both of them could make a case biblically. What does the Bible say about Barnabas's position? It says to bear with one another. It says to overlook an offense. It says to help the weak and be patient with them. It says to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. It says to live in harmony with one another. So Barnabas wasn't denying that John deserted them. That's not the issue. It's just that he believed that one mistake doesn't exclude a person from future ministry. What does the Bible say about Paul's position? It says to endure hardship. To, to run with endurance, the race set before us. But John didn't endure. That's what Paul's thinking. John didn't endure. John quit. John left them, and, and all the assistance they were counting on from John left with them. In fact, had they known he was going to leave, Paul probably would have brought someone else to begin with. And now was their chance to do that. After all, even Jesus said that no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so both of these men could make a case Barnabas was loyal to John, but Paul, who also believed, who also valued loyalty, believed that John broke trust. John broke trust. We trusted him. He broke our trust. John wasn't ready for a trip like this. Or at least Paul wasn't ready to trust him again. And so I'm curious. Think about this. Where do you stand in this agree, disagreement? Uh, are, you with, are you with Barnabas or with Paul? Now, I want you to, to answer honestly. So, so, so do you side with Barnabas and you would have given John a second chance? You would have brought Barnabas or John along. Are you, are you more with Barnabas on this? Raise your hand. Okay. And then how many of you uh, are with Paul on this? That, that you side with Paul and you, you, you would have left John behind because he did break trust and you need somebody. On a, on a trip like this, you need somebody you can trust. So how many of you are with Paul? Okay. And so as you can see, even right there, we'd have some disagreement.
again, there's no obviously right answer. Personally, I'm probably with Barnabas because, and I know this about myself, I'm loyal to a fault. I'm always, my, my intent at least, my heart at least, is to always give people more chances, even if they don't deserve them. And even if they prove themselves disloyal in return. So a difference in opinion led to a sharp disagreement and a sharp disagreement resulted in what I can only imagine was a very disheartening separation. Barnabas believed in John just as he believed in Paul years earlier. He stuck by John and together he and John sailed for Cyprus. Paul, on the other hand, Paul recruited Silas and together they went in another direction entirely. And as we'll see next week, they recruit another young man to assist them, Timothy. But just like that, a years-long friendship seemingly comes to an end. And I can't help but wonder, had they known from the beginning that this disagreement over John would end In, uh, would be the result of this would be the end of their partnership. Had they known that from the beginning, would they have been less entrenched in their own position and more open to the other's perspective? I mean, sometimes isn't it true that, that we, want, we wish we could have a do-over? If we only had the ability to see clearly where our actions now would lead us later. Aren't there times where we wish we could go back and do this a little bit differently? I don't know if they wished for a do-over, but whether they did or not, I, I'm, I, I want us to consider what we can learn from this scene that applies to our relationships today. And I have three main Thoughts that'll take the rest of our time. Very obvious. These, this is nothing new. It's very obvious. But we, I think sometimes it's just helpful to be reminded of what we already know. So here's number one. Not everyone thinks what you think or feels what you feel. I, I think sometimes we just have to repeat that to ourselves. Listen, not everyone thinks the way I do or feels the way I do. I think a lot of conflict between Christians, maybe, maybe even most conflict between Christians is a matter of assumption, 
presumption and expectation. We assume people share our perspective and there we presume upon them with our own preconceived expectations. Paul... Paul seems surprised regarding Barnabas' insistence regarding uh, John. And it seems that Barnabas can't believe that Paul won't let go of the past. Barnabas seems to feel for John and appears concerned with John's feelings. That's probably why people in those days, they called Barnabas the son of encouragement because he was always looking out for other people and their feelings, always wondering, how can I build them up and encourage them and make them feel and think better about themselves? Paul, however seems not to care as much about John's feelings in this instance as he does about the mission, about the task at hand. And so both of them made assumptions. They both presumed upon the other by placing their own expectations upon the other. And when those expectations weren't met, trouble ensued. Sometimes there is a a clear right and wrong, but sometimes it's not about who's at fault, right? It's not about who's at fault. It's not about right or wrong. It's about differences of opinion that may both be right or both be wrong. It's, and it's about learning to be okay. Oh, this is so hard for me, for us. Learning to be okay with not having to resolve every area of disagreement. So we use phrases like, we agree to disagree. We tend to want everything and everyone to fit into our preset expectations that we're, uh, that we're, we're often unwilling to hear or see another point of view or bend our expectations around the specific situation at hand. So I've gotten older older as a Christian uh, and just older in general, I've learned that some things, some things are much more black and white than I first thought they were years ago. While on the other hand, some things are much grayer than I first imagined. We talked a little bit about this last week in terms of the difference between biblical principles and personal preferences Uh, Although we may see many things in the same or similar way, we may come to different conclusions about what we see, just like Paul and Barnabas did here. So just a basic truth here is that not everyone thinks what you think or feels what you feel, and that's okay. Number two. Sometimes... Sometimes, time and space is what's best for everyone involved. Because not every issue has a clear right and wrong, and because the parties may come to different yet equally valid conclusions, allowing each other time and space may be best for everyone. 
we assume that all conflict must be resolved in the quickest way possible to the satisfaction of everyone involved as if we can't move on until everyone's happy. So we work and we work and we hammer away and we place the burden of immediacy onto the other person to whom, of course, we've already assigned blame. It's their fault we're having this issue. We get frustrated with them when it seems they aren't working at reconciliation to the degree we think we are. We think they don't care enough because they aren't doing what we want done in the way we want it done as quickly as we think it should be done. But this passage reveals that not all conflict can be resolved in the manner we may want or hope for. At least not at first. There there just isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to reconciliation. Listen, the answer is not in, in hashing everything out as quickly as possible, but in realizing that what may promote peace and preserve unity the best is taking a giant step back and allowing time and space. I'd love to know more detail, frankly, about this whole episode. I'd love to know more about what specific steps Paul and Barnabas took to try to work through this. I'd love to know how long, you know, what kind of timing, what's the time frame here? Was this a matter of days or weeks or months? I'd love to know if anyone else from the church got involved, if they enlisted the help of anyone else from the church. Someone who could serve as a, to help, just to help mediate. All we have is that in the span of one sentence, verse 39, it moved from a sharp disagreement to separation. But I have to believe that given the character of these two and the tenor of the New Testament when it comes to reconciliation and the nature of the gospel itself, I just have to believe that this was a last resort. And I believe that both Paul and Barnabas, though agreeing to separate ways, separate for now, I think I, I just I just have to believe they left the door open to reconvene later at some point down the road. Romans twelve eighteen says, if possible, if possible, if possible as far as it depends on you live peaceably with all which implies it may not always be possible and so to preserve peace we have to allow each other time and space especially when emotions run hot.
And then third and finally. Though conflict isn't always avoidable, it's always redeemable. Do you think God wanted this? That's an interesting question, actually. Do you think God wanted this? Do you think think God orchestrated this? I don't. I don't think God wanted this sharp disagreement. I don't think God wanted Paul and Barnabas provoking each other. I don't think God wanted them to, to at this stage, at this stage in the relationship seems to be the, the end of the relationship. I don't think God wanted this. This wasn't God's doing. This was Paul's and Barnabas's doing. You know, isn't it true that sometimes we, we, I mean, we're just, we're just so, and this is part of our sin nature, right? Like literally from Adam and Eve, it's literally like, well, God, this is Adam. Well, God, you gave her to me as if somehow God caused this. Do you think the church wanted this? Do you think the people of Antioch, that church, you think this, they wanted this? You can imagine this, the effect this must have had on that congregation. I mean, literally, I mean, imagine both of these men, they were key leaders in the church. They had spiritual children, maybe spiritual grandchildren in that congregation. They were both highly respected. They were both deeply loved and admired. They were active in that church from its very beginning, and they were instrumental in establishing and strengthening the church over time. The congregation surely didn't want to see them at odds. And so what did they do? What did the people of that church do? Verse 40 gives the answer that they commended Paul and Silas to the grace of the Lord. By the way, I'm sure they did the same thing with Barnabas and John as well. But because Luke, the author here, Luke is following Paul's story primarily, he picks up with Paul and Silas as they prepare for Paul's second missionary journey. This is such a good example for us to follow. What we need more than anything else, particularly when facing conflict and difficulty, is to be reminded of and commended to the grace of God, right? We need people in our lives who are gracious with us, gracious with us, and who, 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 who lead us back to God's grace. They're always pointing us to God. They're helping us to find grace in God, grace to, to move forward with this situation in a gracious way. And by God's grace, what could have easily divided this church instead extended its reach into the world. The ministry of the gospel continued without hiccup. And more than that, now instead of one missionary team, there's two.
God didn't cause Paul and Barnabas to disagree, but he redeemed the situation nonetheless. Don't you love that? He protected the church. He protected all involved. He furthered the cause of Christ in that congregation. He propelled their ministry forward. And though conflict isn't always avoidable with God, it's always redeemable. Finally, in closing, what became of these two? Paul and Barnabas, what became of John? This is, this is the last mention of Barnabas in the book of Acts. But it appears, if we can connect some dots here, it appears that he and Paul made amends at some point. Or maybe it was just one of those situations. You've had these, I've had these. It's just one of those situations where time and space and you get older and things just aren't as important to you now as they seem to be years ago. Um, and, and so you just kind of, you know, you continue to grow in the Lord and you just kind of let it go. Whatever it was, the Lord brings healing to this relationship because we know, we aren't sure what happened with with Barnabas and Paul, but we know that Paul and John reconnected, which suggests that Barnabas was involved too. Because at the end of the letter to the Colossians, where Paul, as he does in so many of his letters, he lists many people who helped him in his ministry. And there in chapter 4 of Colossians, he commends John Mark as a fellow worker for the kingdom of God. Someone, Paul says, someone uh, who had become a faithful partner and a comfort in ministry. And many commentators agree that John, John Mark, is in fact the author of the Gospel of Mark. Someday, when we look back upon our lives, as I'm sure these three did, we will see grace upon grace. Even as we can observe here. So, though our actions sometimes threaten to derail God's purposes, His grace is more than enough to see us through. Amen. Father, we thank you for our time and we thank you for your grace. 
and we confess our need of it. Oh my goodness, how we need your divine grace to wash over us again and again and then to propel us forward. Give us grace today. I just, I, w- I just want to pray over the congregation here. I want to pray over each person here. Praying for myself as well. Praying for each of our relationships, for the many relationships represented in this room. And, and how each one needs a fresh infusion of your grace. And so help us to receive that grace as a gift from your hand. Help us to receive these people in our lives as gifts from your heart. Help us to uh, preserve unity and oneness. Help us to seek reconciliation. Help us to know the best way to preserve peace. Help us to know what's best for the individual, what's best for us what's best for your purposes and the mission at hand. For all of these things and more, we need grace. And so we look to you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen.